you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Hey, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and it has been a while. I am here recording virtually, although, I mean, it's really, with, uh, of course, podcast producer... Rick Brett Snyder. And we've got uh, an interesting episode this week. Uh, coming back, it's chock full of things, uh, which is uh, CineQuest 2021 is about to launch on March 20th. And so we just sat down with, uh, with programming director Mike... Rabel, and we have a conversation with him. Also, uh, you know, so that will be appearing on video as well on our YouTube channel, but just occurred to us that we still had interviews from last year's CineQuest, which was cut short by the pandemic, uh, that never made it into the podcast. So we're going to catch up on a couple of them. For one, a film that uh, came out uh, uh, just last month uh, on VOD, and that was Nina of the Woods, one of my favorite from last year's. And another film that was a favorite of the curtailed CineQuest called Fox Hunt Drive. A, a tremendous thriller that unfortunately I did not get a chance to watch. But uh, I did get to talk to the, I think, the writer, director, the star, and the two stars. So anyway, we, we've got that. But it has been a while. Should mention, of course, that not only are we an Amazon affiliate, I've recently added in, we are with bookshop.org. So if you cannot get to your local bookstore... And there is something we talk about that you would like to, uh, that you wish that uh, you could purchase and support a local small business. It seemed to me that bookshop.org was the best way to do that. So uh, I encourage you to go there if you can't get to your local brick and mortar store, as well as uh, I do have direct links to some books that we talk about in, in the last year. And I will keep adding to the, I don't know, I guess if you call it the Fanboy Planet bookshop. But when you purchase from them, they create a pool from the region that you're buying from and then split it among local small bookstores. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that concept, and I, I can't remember how I stumbled across it, but I think maybe I was just getting like a, like a random email. And I, and I just love the idea because I can support, uh, as I've mentioned many times before, Dark Delicacies, a horror-themed bookstore that I had you know, found kind of a community here, moved down to LA and then, <laughs> you know, and that community's all gone online. So, you know, but I still want to support that business and so many other bookstores around book soup. Um, and, it, and it's just not, it still isn't quite practical yet to like go and browse through a bookstore the way you normally would, or we normally would have in better times, you know, so hopefully those better times will come again. But in the meantime, there's bookshop.org. And of course, if you want to join the conversation, we're not doing this podcast as a live stream uh, one, because it just hasn't, you know, it, it has been a while, but also because we wanted to get uh, Michael's interview in and wanted to work around that. 
but sometimes we do. And and if you want to be part of the conversation or you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, you can, of course, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook at Fanboy Planet. It, it's a theme, and it's so much easier for me to remember. So uh, thank you all for for sticking with us this this far, and and being ready for this. But so before we get into talking about Cinequest, it has been a while, uh, and <laughs> an entire or did it an entire uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe television series went by. Uh, Everybody was talking about it. I, I did do a couple of conversations with my eight, uh, seventh grade girlfriend, Martha Garcia, uh, <laughs> because she was texting me and saying, like, what the heck is going on with this? And then my question back was, why are you watching this if you don't, you know, if you haven't seen that many of the Marvel movies? But, you know, she was into it, into the show, and I really wanted to have a conversation with somebody no offense it's that like in my fanboy planet circle we all know this stuff i wanted to know how it was playing to somebody who had no idea who the scarlet witch was well it, as, it it played like lost you know it played like uh one of these mystery tv shows where you don't know what's going on so i thought that played into it well from both ends if you do know the characters you you might know a little about what's going on but you don't necessarily know what's going on well, what I loved about it was certainly there was so much speculation and people so convinced. Uh, in fact, a coworker just asked me yesterday, how did I feel about the, the way the show went? And, and I've said this before uh, on the podcast, Marvel and Disney don't owe me a show that gives me exactly what I want. Yeah. They owe me the story they want to tell, and I, and I want it to be good. And that's what WandaVision ended up being to me. Yeah. Certainly had plenty of speculation, and they certainly threw a lot of red herrings at us. You know, they, they were trolling, um, no question. But I kind of love that. <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong with me. But, I, you know, it, it is interesting, because what you just said before we started really recording this is, what is what does this mean? Well, you know, two or three years ago, whenever we last met in Anaheim at Disney D23, their convention, and they announced all this stuff. I wrote that this is about to, was about to change the game, that it is a, a series, and this wasn't supposed to be the first one, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which will be out on March 19th. So, you know, watch that on March 19th, and then uh, join Cinequest on March 20th. Um, nice. Nice that we were weaving in and out of uh, of movies and television, and the line was getting blurrier. And this prediction was before, of course, the pandemic really did force everything to blur. Uh, I haven't been in a theater in, well, a year. Um, Same. And... I'm. I, I guess I'm. I'm in a, a nice position that my television is big enough for my poor eyes, uh, poor eyesight to still see. Uh, you know, and, and perceive it almost as like being in a movie theater. Uh, the lights never get quite as as dim. But um, so to me, it's an interesting narrative, and, and and that with nine episodes of a show that was like, what the heck is going on? It really is just a long, almost like a serialized film. In fact, I just uh, saw 
that uh, FX is going to, I'm going to write this up, that um, FX is going to adapt Kindred, one of my favorite sci-fi novels by Octavia Butler, right. into it, they say, as a series. And I was like, that's a, that's a misnomer. You know, or let's just say that we're adapting for television. Nobody wants to say miniseries anymore. But the reality is, like, we got played with Watchmen, and I'm fine with that, too, on HBO. You know, that, that was a series. And then suddenly, no, 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 there's no season two. And WandaVision, you know, probably isn't probably going to not have a, a season not two. a season two. But that's that's the way British TV's been much shorter oh, absolutely. seasons. Absolutely, we're finally embracing that, and I think it I think it's great. Um, I thought what was interesting about streaming is, and this is just again how storytelling has changed. The the common wisdom, especially since WandaVision was parodying in in many ways uh, sitcoms, at least in the first half of of the series, that you know, the, the, the common wisdom about sitcoms was that your average viewer tunes in maybe every third episode. There are people that, you know, I certainly know it, it was heartbreaking to me as a child if I had to miss Happy Days because I love the Fonz so much, right? Right. But, but now it's like there is nobody coming it is nobody's coming in late to a series and that's the difference than from say when lost actually first started right right you know if you join lost you had to wait for the season to come out on blu-ray you had to wait for summer reruns did that even go to summer re- yeah did they, it did. That? they yeah. must have yeah yeah they they actually did sequential reruns during the regular season broadcasts See, so, I mean, that's the thing. is, And now you don't have to do that. So I never heard anybody who was saying what's going on say that because they had tuned into the third episode and were confused and had missed the first and second. I mean, this isn't terribly profound. It's just interesting how streaming services have changed the way we watch television. Well, I'm grateful. It was interesting. That- that it was one episode a week, or in the at the beginning, two episodes. You know, on, on the on the first week that they showed it, but because it really did, even though we have no water coolers, we're chattering online. Yeah. We're all talking about our, our hypotheses, and it really, as the Mandalorian had done too. You know, brought this back. I don't know if the Falcon and the Winter Soldier will have that kind of appeal as a as a conversation piece, but you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's just. You know, I think that one's going to be a little more straightforward than what was going on in WandaVision. Yeah, I think there's there's a there's definitely a reaction from a large number of people um, towards Disney, and there, uh, the the way that Disney is choosing to do storytelling in a more classic television format, where it's one episode a week, and that was Mandalorian and Wanda, and people who say I just want to binge it all at once, and you say, well, just don't watch it till the end. But you know, I want to get it all right now when everyone else is watching it too. It's like, well, if you stretch it out over the weeks, you have more of opportunity to talk to other people and speculate and enjoy and and, and dwell more on the, the story and what the potentials are. I um, think it was Forbes that had the headline. It's just that people have forgotten how to watch television. Mm. And, I, you know, it is interesting. And so I don't know because, like, my son hasn't watched it yet at all. He's been very busy with schoolwork. That's what he tells me, um, you know. So I, I don't even have have that perspective, you know, because he's certainly uh, someone who, as a what a Gen Zer, uh, you know, is a binger, uh, and I know that my daughter binges as well. So I haven't had a chance to talk because they haven't 
they haven't touched it yet. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting. Uh, it's certainly, it, it will be a long wait. Uh, I, I was describing this to somebody else about how, oh, well, somebody asked after I posted the last Martha vision, as I called it, um, you know, this is supposed to be the beginning of phase four. What does that mean? And I realized phase four kind of is divided up. There's yeah. the WandaVision track, which is um, kind of the cosmic thing, which will go to Doctor Strange. But in the in the in between WandaVision and Doctor Strange and the and the Multiverse of Madness will be Eternals, which um, I've just heard the hype is it's it's the most mind-blowing of the marvel movies it's really a marvel film um so you've got that track and then falcon and the winter soldier which was supposed to be first um is kind of the i don't want to call it ground street level because that's not right but ground level you know they're they're more action oriented they're not people with it's not tremendously super powered even though it is you know, he's got a fly a flight suit. Uh, and, you know, obviously Bucky uh, is has got a cybernetic arm and so forth. But the action, the villain's going to be more, you know, it's Zemo. Um, right. They're people that aren't super powered. They're just super evil or super angry. Um, and even then, I don't think that either of those things were meant to launch Phase 4. I think Black Widow was meant to launch Phase 4. Right. So, you know... It, the pandemic messed up a lot of things, but it is interesting that there's that split Spider-Man. Is it called no way home? Um, yes. Sounds very much like it. I mean, sounds very much. We don't know squat about what's actually happening in it because nobody will tell, uh, the star Tom Holland because he'll blurt it out to everybody. I I'm not sure he's even, you know, been shown a script and they've just like maybe filmed him once and said, okay, now we'll take over from here. Uh, <laughs> so he can't spoil anything, but, uh, but far, uh, but no way home sounds like it's going to be in a multiverse as well. Maybe. So, yeah, my speculation there is that I don't think they'll, they'll go back to the multiverse for, for, uh, for no way home the i you know i don't want to we can go down that rabbit hole <laughs> that's no no no. because I, I would be perfectly happy if alfred molina just like jay like uh you know it's the same jay jonah jameson but it's not the same jay jonah jameson i'd be perfectly happy if alfred molina shows up as dr octopus without it being the dr octopus of spider-man 2 I'd be perfectly happy with Jamie Foxx being Electro without it being the Electro of um, of Amazing Spider-Man too. So uh, both of them have been confirmed as being in that film. Yeah. Uh, but I, I again, I have no problem with them being different. Just as as we saw on WandaVision, uh, you know, I, it's no secret now. Evan Peters showing up in the in it without being exactly who everybody thought he would be. that's it's interesting because of the way his last scene resolve resolved i think that is a total red herring above and beyond um anything that was being done by a character in the show yeah we're, we're dancing around uh, spoilers but no as i said they trolled us they yeah. trolled us there was a reference that they never promised that it was reed richards but sure as heck the internet went like, oh, Reed Richards is going to appear here. No. My favorite part is that Paul Bettany did say, I'm going to work, you know, I worked with an actor I've always wanted to work with. Myself, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, again. So, uh, yeah, good to catch up with you on that. And let's let's get to our conversation with Michael Rabel for CineQuest 2021. Welcome to the Fanboy Planet podcast, our annual Michael, do we call it the Rabel cast? We got to call it the Rabel Rave, the Rabel Rousers? I don't know. You, uh, you, you, called the, you called the thing something. I don't know what it was. Uh, Rabel Mania. Okay, yeah, I, I can't see the whole title, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, it is what it is. So we're here with with Michael Rabel, the uh, programming director of CineQuest. And CineQuest 2021 is about to start. It's going to be March 20th to March 30th, or is it April 3rd? I've seen two dates. Okay, I don't know where you saw the other one, but it's March 20th through 30th. Okay, yeah. No, I think it's like there might be Ten like a date. Yeah. Please, please don't make me go longer. <laughs> okay, let's start over. I can do that. <laughs> hey, we are here with our annual conversation with Michael Rabel, the programming director of CineQuest, because CineQuest 2021 is shifting to virtual, and it will be online from March 20th to March 30th this year, hoping there will be a later live event, in-person event, once things become normal. I don't know what that was, but we do want to talk about uh, this year's event and the the genre films, the films that people who listen and read and watch Fanboy Planet would might might be interested in. So, Michael, let's talk about this pivot. What's going on virtually? You're here to help. I am here to help. Uh, no, we're here to help. So, um, so. Yeah, we I mean obviously we can't do a live event. Um, so the pivot is what other festivals are doing right now and making sure. Wow, you see my whole house, uh, and um, so we're we're making sure that uh, we take care of films. We're showing 111 world and U.S. premieres and shorts and features, um, and as well as uh, I think a total of 198 movies. Uh, so there's a lot going on still virtually that we would normally do live, but now we are doing it virtually since uh, there's this thing called a pandemic that you know about, I hope. And um, that's where we are right now. Yeah. You've, you've I mean, heard of, you're familiar with it, yeah. Well, because last year, CineQuest 2020, um, it ended halfway through because we were all put on lockdown. We were remembering. Yeah, we're, we're, we're now known as the festival that stopped halfway through when the pandemic kicked in. <laughs> 366 days ago, um, we, wow. we met in the CineQuest offices and, and had a farewell toast and like, what are we doing? And, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, so this is the answer. So uh, it's on CineQuest.org. And uh, you can go, and it's through the Cinejoy slash Creatix yeah. platform. Yeah, yeah. So, so you go to the website cinequest.org, and there's a, a a big graphic right there. Click on it, and you get the full lineup there. Uh, and it's on the Cinejoy platform, which is hosting all the Cinequest films. Excellent. And we're here to help. I know. I just wanted to add that for anybody who wishes to uh, <laughs> catch. So, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so like, what's you're still gonna have like virtual Q and A's because opening night, uh, March yeah. 20th, you've got a couple of guest stars. Yeah, they're they yeah, well, of course, uh, yeah, opening night, death, death of a ladies' man with uh, Gabriel Byrne and Jessica Perry. 
um, which I found out the pronunciation of her name. <laughs> I've been saying it wrong for years. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. So uh, what we're doing with opening night on uh, a week from Saturday on the twentieth? Oh, actually, I don't know when this is this is airing. So, so I guess I shouldn't have said that. It, it would March, before Saturday. On March twentieth at uh, six p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we are starting the opening night events with uh, uh, the red carpet with filmmakers. We're doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, Gabriel Byrne, the star of the movie, is going to do a pre-show uh, interview live uh, uh, before the film starts. And then we'll show the film, Death of a Ladies Man, the U.S. premiere of it. And then afterwards, we'll have a Q&A with the filmmakers and Jessica and possibly some other surprise guests we don't know yet that's an interesting an interesting idea that you you were expressing that it's pacific time but are you doing any advertising beyond the local area because i've been involved in a couple of conventions that have been worldwide yeah we we actually um if you if you look at well there's certain films that are only available in the u.s that's just some of them are just uh, only available here but uh, we are doing it nationwide, and then some films are available worldwide. So um, death, opening night's only available in the U.S., um, but that doesn't change the fact that we're going to have 200 other screenings they could watch during that. Um, but we are advertising worldwide. We are doing events that are actually global, too. Uh, a couple of events that are going to be broadcast to India, um, some other events that are broadcast to UK and so on, so on. So there's a bunch of different stuff that we're doing. We're also doing panels. We've got, we could talk about the Maverick spirits coming up um, and, and more. So there's, there's a lot going on. Gabriel Byrne has been a Maverick spirit in our, in, in the past Cinequest. So we're not giving him an, another award, <laughs> but oh, we do have, it up for him. But, but we can talk about the ones that are coming up that are in the festival this year for that, including some other, Maverick spirits who are coming back for events and screenings too. Yeah. So how's that going to work? Because I, I, I think last August, when we were when we thought that was we were going to have the second half of Cinequest, you only six pandemic's only six weeks, right? It was only six yeah, weeks. Yes, that's that's what I recall. Um, and, and 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 you haven't had pie since I know. Uh, so, but in August there was a kind of a pilot of this virtual version. Actually, it, it was we were going to do the live event in August that switched to October for the the, the 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 alpha test, you know, kind of thing. Okay, which was basically just films from that had been already in the festival, and some new spotlights that were films that were coming out that are going to be released. So, so so did you do the Q and A's then? And and they we did we did we did we did okay so so we did um I don't remember the exact dates I don't remember how many there were, but there were each day had a new spotlight film. Um, so we separate the films out into spotlight and showcase. The spotlight films are the live Q and A's, live presentations. The showcase films are some of it are pre-recorded, some of it live and so on. So, but the spotlight films are where that we're gonna have like the higher profile guests, uh, the Maverick Spirits with new films. And, um, and then we'll be doing specifically live conversations with those. Uh, the showcase films, like I said, are, are some of them are pre-recorded. There's a few live and we're a few that are doing some special stuff too. So, and those are all available with each film. They tell you what's going on with when you look at the site. Well, you know, I, I wish 
that we were able to all do this all live because Cinequest is always a high point of the year. But uh, but a virtual version, this pivot is exciting, and you know the movies are no less interesting and entertaining. And and you've given me a look there, but let's talk about the Maverick Spirit because you got some pretty big names that I don't know if you know. You, I haven't, haven't told you them all, so yeah. I know uh, he's, been teasing, he's been teasing me for weeks, but yeah. I told you one of them. So, um, but yes. Uh, so one of my one of my favorites uh, that we're doing, uh, we're showing a screening of six uh, six minutes to midnight, and then we're doing a Maverick Spirit with Eddie Izzard, oh, and wow. so and so she's going to be doing a a live uh, conversation with that on March twenty first, um, eleven a.m. Pacific time. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, so that will be something that she'll be doing uh, for that too. And that's a really fun movie, uh, really powerful film also that she wrote, wrote, stars in, and actually produced too, I believe. And so she'll be doing that, a conversation for that. The film actually stars uh, her, Judy Dench, uh, Jim Broadbent, and a number of other really well-known British actors. So we do. We'll be doing that live since 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 Eddie is in the UK. Uh, we'll be doing that live um, uh, in earlier part of the day. Most of our spotlights are at six PM, but that one's earlier to work with her schedule. To accommodate her schedule. Okay. Yeah. Are there any others you can tell us now? Yes. yes. On on Thursday the twenty. Let me just make sure I have the date right. Mm -hmm. On Thursday the twenty fifth at 6 p.m. We are doing a conversation with Sam Neill um, of Jurassic Park fame. Yes. Um, and his new film Rams, which is a it's a remake, but it's a it's a comedy adventure, two brothers who essentially have uh, not talked for years and having to uh, deal with their uh, the issues of their family farms. Uh, wasn't that like and, a movie with Mads Mikkelsen a few years ago? It was, ago? Yeah, yeah. It's a remake of that. Cool. And, and that was a Danish uh, film uh, yeah. originally. Um, and so that's uh, that another Mavic Spirit we're doing. And then the other one we're doing is not a fit new film, but it's a conversation with Darren Starr, Sex and the City uh, creator, as well as uh, Emily in Paris. Uh, so, uh, you know, a really big person for the screenwriting uh, uh, mm -hmm. side of quest. Yeah, he's no slouch. He's no slouch. And so, so, so those are three Maverick spirits. The other Maverick spirits that we have returning, I mentioned Gabriel Byrne already with opening night. Uh, we're also Alec Baldwin's coming back and doing a Q and A uh, with Thomas Jane from The Expanse and Hung for uh, Crown and the Punisher. Dick. Let's not forget him as the Punisher. I know. <laughs> I, I I haven't seen that, so I can't talk about it. <laughs> Alex anyway. Baldwin was the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep Alec, up. I know there's a delay on you here, Rick, but come on. Uh, so Alec Baldwin and um, Thomas Jane are confirmed on a Q&A for Crown Vic. Uh, they are actually working on a couple of their actors like David Krumholtz and Bridget Moynihan, but we're not sure their, their availability just yet. But I know Alec Baldwin and Thomas Jane are confirmed. Uh, we are also, uh, for This Is uh, Not a War Story, uh, Rosario Dawson's coming back for a Q&A for that. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun too. She's she was Maverick Spirit here what four or five years ago, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, and so she's coming back for the Q and A for that because she exec she executive produced the film. Well, that's good. Then you can freshen up the Cinequest trailer with new <laughs> film. 
Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm, not, I'm not sure we'll put Zoom Zoom conversations in the trailer, but we'll see. <laughs> Why not? Um, you know, because it shows how, how flexible it's been. So let's talk about movies that are definitely in the fanboy planet realm. That yeah. Oh, and, and without reviewing any of them, because I, because I know the frustrating thing is so many of them were not allowed to actually say they're great, but they're great. So, but well, let's talk about one that I know you have seen, and I won't say too much about it. A hard problem, um, yeah. which we're showing the world premiere of, and um, it is a film that I think that people are going to be very surprised by. I don't want to say too much because there's a, there's a lot about it that you don't want to unveil too early, right? Uh, before seeing it. Um, but it's a really incredibly unique drama uh, that involves elements that will appeal to that that crowd. That was very circumspect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and I got to say, it, it's a, it is a great film. We yeah. just, I, I, I think like 10 people got to read my review uh, a couple of days ago and then I had to take <laughs> it down. So on March 20th at 8 p.m. Pacific time, the review for A Hard Problem will go live again on fanboyplanet.com. Yeah, and I absolutely recommend that film highly because it, it's just something that really, it was. It took me a long time during the submission process until I actually saw it. It was sitting there for a while and then I hadn't watched it. I'm like, I better watch this movie because I, I wasn't sure, A Hard Problem. I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch a movie called A Hard Problem right now. But then suddenly I watched it. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't watch this sooner because it was that good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, written and directed by a collective team calling itself, themselves, Hazard. And I looked it up on IMDb and it doesn't even divide up. It says that they, you know, it is two filmmakers, but doesn't even identify who they are. So I reached out to the publicist and said, I, I, I have to press, like press it so I know their names. <laughs> okay, good. They're real people. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a great film. Uh, you know, what else? Like, midnight movies mean nothing in, in, when you can screen at any time, basically. But normally, what would you consider? Like, I don't think I've stumbled, I, I've only watched a few, a few films, but. You know, what would you consider like the midnight movie ones that, that would be terrific to watch? Biomass. Um, it's sort of a an odd uh, combination of a zombie movie mixed with um, the, oh God, uh, uh, the name of the movie, I'm drawing a blank on it, and mixed with uh, where she goes into the, the underground complex that was... Uh, uh, oh, what's her name from Fifth Element? Um, oh, uh, you're talking about. Uh, are you saying Resident Evil? Resident Evil. It's, it's combination. Oh Resident, really? <laughs> Resident Evil mixed mixed with uh, Walking Dead, mixed with some sort of weird science experiment gone wrong. Those are all the same thing. I know. You just described Resident Evil. <laughs> okay. Well, again, apparently it's Resident she, Evil. It is called Biohazard. So you know. <laughs> Biomass. Biomass. It's got a Catholic oh, element. Too. Oh, but it's but it's also a little a little bit of Blair Witch because it's that kind of like found footage kind of feel too. Okay. Yeah, because so it's done by a new a news crew. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, we're showing the world premiere of that, and 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 that one is is fun because it it builds in a in a really unique way, where for the first 
20, 30 minutes, you're like, what the hell is going on? And then suddenly it just really kicks in for this really creepy, creepy feeling. Uh, so that's a really good midnight uh, movie. Okay. Um, another another one uh, that uh, I would point out is uh, this rock opera animated feature called Death of a Rock Star. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Um, and it is all original music that they, they created literally a rock opera um, and then put it to animation. And it's just, the songs are just amazing. It's, it's sort of like a Pink Floyd meets Yellow Submarine. It, okay, again, I'm, they're movies that are like all so drugs. Driving Yellow Submarine. <laughs> they're all drug trips, I know, but uh, but it's that kind of feeling that 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 throwback to those kind of movies. <laughs> there, that's better. I think, and the thing is, in 2021, it's hard to say it's like such and such meets because we've already had so many of such yeah. and such meets such and such that now it's just as well. It is, you know, it's yeah. a new twist on or. You know, an homage to, you know, because and, and it's interesting as a rock opera because there's been at least one before. There was Tommy meets and the Silver Sea Dragon, some like oh, yeah, three, yeah, yeah, yeah. three or four years ago. So I that's exciting. I didn't realize that that, that was straight up an animated rock opera. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, there's a lot of thrillers in there. And there's a, there are more apocalyptic dramas because I, I just watched one called Everything in the End. Yeah, there, there's that. There, there, there's two apocalyptic dramas. <laughs> Great. Which, is, uh, which everything in the end, which you saw, which uh, I think, you, well, you've seen it, so you know how poetic it is and what they've done with that. Uh, but also Echoes, which is a Spanish film, a little bit more whimsical um, in the end of the world scenario. And um, a, a, little bit, a little bit more lighthearted for the end of the world. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> Um, and th and then there's like something like uh, which uh, which you did see, uh, which is called uh, Welcome to the Show, which is this rabbit hole experiment going into this weird, absurd underground sh world of creating this show with these odd characters who don't really quite know what they're getting into, and and that that kind of works too for that kind of stuff. But then you have something that we're these are world premieres I'm talking about that right now, yeah. too. Another one, which I think is a really unique horror movie we're doing a world premiere of called Slapface, um, yeah. which, which is a metaphorical film for bullying at the same time as being this interesting horror movie. Visual, and, and it's also uh, produced by one of the people who starred in a film we showed a few, few years ago called Love is All You Need. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's produced produced by one of the people who was involved with that. He acted and he's also the oh. stars stars in this too. So so it's something that we it there's there's a lot of people who are returning to Cinequest after having previous films in the festival. Well, that's that's really exciting. I mean, again, you can go to cinequest.org and and get a full rundown because there's there's something for everyone. I mean, and there have been publicists a couple that have reached out with films that aren't necessarily in our purview like you've been kind enough to point me towards the ones that are definitely genre stuff but uh you know and they ask we like to explain that so you can look at cinequest.org and you mentioned people returning and that is interesting i mean we because we've got uh 
that is the one good thing about CineQuest is that filmmakers do come back, you know, and, and why I miss the real, you know, the in-person version, because it is about those connections, about the community that uh, that get built. Because yeah, of I mean, yeah, I mean, we, ha we have, you know, we have uh, Adria coming back with uh, One Moment, which is not in the fanboy realm, but it is something that uh, she's coming back with a new film. We have Adria Tenner, who yeah. it, was in with a short called a great horror short called Pie, a few years ago, two or three years ago, uh, and a restaurateur down in Los Angeles. Uh, and I, I've eaten in one of her restaurants; they're fantastic. Um, so, but I would not eat the pie after seeing that short. But yeah, you know, there's and she's got a. I was surprised though her web series didn't come in because I know you were doing. Um, You've been doing television pilots and web series in the past few years. She's got one called Fetish the Series yeah. right now on YouTube, which is an interesting comedy. You know, definitely she is a filmmaker creating her own material. And same thing with Welcome to the Show. That's a sitcom actress. Uh, she was years ago on uh, Stark Raving Mad with uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Tony Shalhoub. And writing, directing, producing films. I And there was another one. I, uh, oh, uh, The Runner. So we can talk about, you know, we can't talk about The Runner yet, but... <laughs> but so you just can't you just can't review it. <laughs> no, but I'm going to be interviewing the director of that uh, later this week, so... Oh, she's, yeah. she's great. She's really nice. I've talked to her on the phone. She's a really nice person. Uh, that film, of course, has Elizabeth Rome as... From, as, as, from Angel. Yeah. And from Angel, and then uh, Eric Balfour from Six Feet Under, uh, amongst among other things, you know. But he he's like Haven, and he was the uh, extra member of the Scooby Gang in the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was the sacrificial lamb. So yeah, yeah he's well known in genre circles. So yeah. yeah, but actually, but actually, you were talking about TV web series. We actually have a a, a world premiere of a, a TV web series, a sci-fi one, uh, called Deadlock, which we're showing. Um, and it's it's a it's a series pilot that we're showing uh, that involves uh, people who a team of people who go around and essentially uh, stop. I don't want to call them ghosts, but they are they're the dead and they're stuck in a loop, and they help they help them move on or stop them from being stuck where they are. It sounds interesting. I, 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 I will send you a screener. <laughs> okay, thank you. I had a couple of questions about a couple of some, but I, I'd looked through the list. Uh, and in fact, Debbie said, you're of course going to this one. And that was Hunting Bigfoot. Yeah, that, that's a fun one too. I, I, again, another filmmaker who's been here with two or three films in the past. Um, and, the, and the producers had, I think this is the fourth film he's had in the festival. Um, Anyway, but and that and that's sort of like a combination of, uh, it's a mocking. I don't want to say mockumentary because it's really not that kind of flair, but it it does combine actors with real life people to create this sort of feel of the small community hunting Bigfoot, you know, kind of thing. And it, it, I don't know how to describe it except that it's a it's a it's a, a mesh of those two worlds. So it's about people who are hunting Bigfoot. They're, but they're 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 obsessed with it. <laughs> okay. Oh, they're not. Yeah, they're not just regular people hunting. No. Uh, what about Demon? Demon. That that is a strange, strange movie, but I loved it so much. 
it's a it's a, it's this uh, weird genre, uh, kind of like a, a again. It's like I, I keep on using this term, but it's true that some of these films take you in this little rabbit hole journey, and it's somebody who about a character who is uh, trying to escape certain parts of his life, and he gets caught up in this web of mystery and deceit when he does so. And then uh, he, he comes in contact with these eccentric characters uh, and really creates this uneasy feeling, but this flow that is comedic at the same time. It's a very dark comedy at, while being strange and surreal. Cool. I mean, yeah, it almost seems like we're getting back into the, into the midnight movie stuff. And that's, to me, all... I've never been disappointed by one of your midnight movie choices, if I can put that responsibility on you. Uh, you, 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 you can for some of them. Uh, one of the ones that I didn't mention is a, a Abyssal Spider, which is this uh, Taiwanese uh, horror fantasy uh, takes place on a boat, kind of like Jaws with a big spider. Okay. <laughs> so arachnophobia. No, I am kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, or did they even bigger swatter? <laughs> so, do swatters work, or do they push them back out? <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. <laughs> okay. Well, John with the big spider. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for taking the time tonight to uh, talk with us about uh, about this. And again, March 20th to March 30th, tickets are on sale now at Cinequest.org. The prices per film are reasonable. I thought. It, it was just funny that Rick, you said, you know, Debbie said, you're going to go to this, right? Like, you're going to walk into the Brett Cave and <laughs> turn I'm on sit right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not going anywhere. Uh, so, although, you know, and this is, I mean, let's look at the, the upside. This is the first Cinequest where we don't have to wear pants. So, that's true. Even, even I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you think I am right now? No, no, but I'm trying not to go any further than that. So thank you, and uh, I look forward to uh, when we all get to meet again, and uh, and it will be sooner than a year from now as well, well I hope. There's still Zoom Pi. So. There will be indeed. There will be. We haven't figured right. that out. Sorry to anybody who's watching or listening. Uh, it's just us. It's a special little conclave. It's a, it's a Zoom Pi. It's Zoom Pi. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Exciting stuff. Looking forward to seeing more and attending some of those Q and A's. I'm curious, honestly, to see how they work out. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's weird. Although, do you when you go to these virtual events? I, I, do you still think about? Do you have the the vague impulse to go somewhere? I certainly do. What do you mean, the vague impulse to go somewhere? Like when I was thinking about when I was going to be watching, um, when I was going to be watching the online uh, Comic Con, right? Uh -huh. And it wasn't. It wasn't like I thought I was going to go to to Los Angeles and go to the convention center. But I kind of thought that I'd see the convention center in the back of my mind. It was. It was never really a spoken or visualized, but it was just like that impression that I'm going to that it's going to be about the place. You know. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, a Comic Con at home. I, I watched one panel uh, from a hotel lobby in Paso Robles, um, 
because <laughs> it was my birthday weekend and needed desperately to escape many things. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, it is weird. So like, I don't, I'm just not as excited. I mean, cause the second weekend of Cinequest is actually the weekend of uh, WonderCon at home. Oh yeah. And as excited as I am about that, what I still feel is like, you know, as I've been uh, packing up things and, and going into corners of my mother's house where stuff got dropped off and totally forgot it was there. Um, you know, I have found things that I realized like an online dealer's room does not allow me to discover something or someone, you know, an artist uh, in the same way. Oh, like, yeah. You know, I have found some really cool. I, I have this tie that has a Jules Verne, a twenty thousand leagues under the sea uh, quote, and it has an octopus and and a deep sea diver on it, and it's and it's beautiful. And it's like I think it's the only non t shirt I've ever bought at a convention because it just I walked by it and it caught my eye, and it's not going to happen scanning through there. So that there's that part, and you know, I do encourage go on to Etsy.com. We just bought a, a, a print. I don't know how Stephanie discovered it, but you know. Um, that speaks perfectly to our decor of at least one wall in our in our apartment, and not that we have room for it, but but you know, so go to Etsy and and, and browse and support these people. Uh, WonderCon at home is going to be fun. There's going to be some interesting panels there. I just got a thing from uh, Warner Brothers that you know the cast of this Justice League uh, World War II animated film will be there. We'll be doing a virtual panel, and. On the one hand, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching that, but it just doesn't it just doesn't have the same feel. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm hoping they're doing it live, but even if they're uh, not, you know, even if they are doing it live, there's not the give and take. And I'd say this about about Cinequest: there is a film. Well, the one we talked about, a hard problem. I seriously, seriously wish I were in a theater with three or four hundred other people watching it just to get the energy of what's going on in this movie as everybody starts processing it and then to go out into the lobby i know you can have that you know they have virtual watch parties as yeah. another option but i, I want to be able to you know sit and have pie sorry it's like we keep taunting people with this idea but you know sit and have pie and coffee or or a glass of wine whatever whatever your thing is and talk about the movies. And I know we can do it like here through the podcast. That's one reason we do the podcast anyway. Yeah. But it's just it's just not the same. And, and plus, you know, I'll admit it, I miss Sal Pizarro. So uh, <laughs> I you know, I, I, I feel I feel the same thing. There are conventions that do it better than others. And I was at one last weekend, um, it was put on by three gaming companies and they had social circles where you could, they actually had avatars. It was a second life kind of thing where you could yeah. walk around and you could walk up to a screen and see, see a demo or see it, see an advertisement. And then you could go and virtually play the game that they were launching because they had versions of it that you could play online. And then you could buy the, the physical one as well. Well, you know, that's, that's good, good for, you know, but it's more specialized like that. But, you know, for what I attend, I miss that, and we'll. Yeah. I don't want to belabor and, sure. and be sad because you know the, the light at the end of the tunnel is is closer, right? So let's uh, let me just uh, throw in, and we'll we'll just put them uh, back to back. 
that there are two interviews with uh, creatives behind two films from last year's CineQuest. I said, uh, Nina of the Woods. Uh, I just uh, interviewed, because uh, he did a, he's got a graphic novel coming, uh, Sean Patrick Boyd was an actor in Nina of the Woods, which is available now on iTunes and Google Play and Amazon and all that. Great, great film. Um, and then that's what sparked. I realized, oh, yeah, we never actually got to run this interview because things went crazy. So uh, Nina of the Woods and then the creative team behind uh, Fox Hunt Drive. Once more in the uh, back patio of the Continental at CineQuest and with the, some of the creatives behind the film Nina of the Woods. And if you go back in time five years ago, I think, Charlie, you are on the podcast already for a film called The Center. That's so right, yeah. if you would just identify yourselves and let's Sure. Uh, I'm Charlie Griak, and I'm the co-writer, director, and editor of Nina of the Woods. Hey, and I'm Sean Patrick Boyd. Um, I play a mysterious character called The Guide. I'm Gregory Winter, uh, one of two cinematographers on the project, the other one being Buck Holzman. Well, thank you all for being here, and so grateful you brought this film, because it took me, not I, I don't want to say completely by surprise, I knew because I liked your previous film, The Center, that I was going to enjoy Nina of the Woods. I really just, I wanted to give you a standing ovation, but I was too tired last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, standing ovations in this films are always weird to me, yeah, so I just, you know, I was in the background. This is just as good to yeah. hear it today. That's <laughs> okay. Just okay. as meaningful. So, let's just talk about what, you, know, you touched on in the Q&A last night, but none of my audience was there. Yeah. So, what inspired you to yeah. make this film? Uh, the, the idea was to, to try to communicate the feeling of having something unexplainable happen to you because I, I really think that if you talk to people long enough everyone has one of those moments in life I was saying it's like you put your keys down you walk away and they're gone and you look for three hours and you can't find them you come back to that spot and they're there I think we all have something like that in our lives that's happened that we can't quite put into words it's not very meaningful to anyone else but to us it's profound and I thought how do you tell a mo- how do you tell a story that captures that feeling and also takes the audience through that experience the the paranormal i guess you'd call it for lack of a better word no we'll go with yeah. that yeah yeah <laughs> although you crypto linguist was crypto linguist yeah that was made and it's in the first two minutes it's not a spoiler but that's like one of my favorite lines like is that a real word is that a real word? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Sounds yeah. Made up. well that's made my up. word that's my world man you know yeah. so i'm totally there yeah. so yeah. Uh, and, and you went to Sean as a, a producer as well, right? So Yeah, yeah. well, that, yeah, and that, was, that was not intended at the start. So actually, it, I'll, I'll maybe mention this, I wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. And um, to talk about things sort of, you know, as people see the movie, they'll see that, you know, there's, there's some things that just happen that are like maybe meant to be predestined or whatever that is. And uh, so I wasn't going to be in the movie um, and the other actor that was supposed to play my role uh, it ended up not working out. And Charlie came to me from having worked on the center, and he goes, "You know, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Hopefully, I'm not sharing too much no, info, please, Charlie, but please. your story." But he said, "I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I'm a very different type than what Charlie had in mind." And he goes, "But I've been thinking about it, and you would be perfect for this." And I hope you don't feel bad that I'm, you know, coming to you like, you know, second or whatever. I'm like, I'm an actor. Yeah. If somebody comes to me, I'll. No, no I yeah, can't. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's 
first or none. And I said, are you kidding me? Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm there. Um, and, and so just like from the start, once that happened and Char- Charlie called me about that, it was, it was as if, oh, it's like, oh my God, this makes so much sense since the start. And I wouldn't, I told him too, I said, Charlie, I wouldn't have thought of me for this role either. So I don't blame you at all. And so then, but then um, that began my journey of figuring out, well, wait a minute, what, how am I this character? What, like, why does this make sense? Yeah, you have an interesting role and I don't want to talk about it too deeply. Yeah, Because again, it's like we were talking about like what the ending means. Right. I don't want to give away or or determine to anybody what I thought was going on with it because it's such... Uh, it's a deeply rewarding film. It's not scary. It's mm-hmm. but dread was definitely going through. Yeah, you know, and and, that's yeah. how, and it's nice when a movie actually you know it's infused with dread. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, and, I, and I love that. So how about you getting involved as a cinematographer, especially in a movie that depends so much on actually kind of playing around with the concept of cinematography? Right. Uh, it was an interesting evolution. Charlie had gotten a hold of me early on to discuss. He had some questions about a cinematography he was talking to. And, you know, over the course of our conversation, I, I shared to them that, well, you know, here's what's going to be required. I'm not so sure this person's, you know, you're going to have to watch this just to make sure. And then finally Charlie just said, uh, do you want to photograph it? And I said, well, sure, I'd love to. And it turned out there were some extenuating circumstances that only I could do half the schedule. So <clears throat> we got another person that we know involved who I've worked with a lot who's also a, a cinematographer. And so between the two of us, we split the duties later on. But it was a really, really great experience because Charlie's one of these directors that you, you hope for because he arrives with a strong visual idea about how his, how his story translates on the screen. And so from there, there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't have to talk about anymore. Now there's all kinds of things you can you can say instead of well if not that then why not this um, the th- the thing that was best about Charlie is you could talk to him at any point in the in the f- filming of the of the project and say whose scene is this mm. who should we really be looking at here who is the really important individual in this who do we need to make sure we're understanding their their space in the in the plot at this point and then. Besides that, the, the whole difficulty of several trips back into the woods that all sort of need to look a little bit different so that you can keep your place in the story. And I mean, I think the, the best thing about the movie is Charlie does a great job of managing our expectations in terms of a mystery, right? That's the difference between confusion and a mystery, managing expectations. And that was, a, that was clear from the beginning. He, you know, he came to me with a... He came to Buck and I both with this completely drawn out on a graphic novel level storyboard for a hundred page plus script so at that point you go okay I think we can this is there's a lot of, that we can do here so. so you're ready to direct a Marvel movie right <laughs> yeah, that's that, Kevin Feige's famous statement it's like oh they're all there the storyboards are already there the storyboards are all there yeah although they probably kicked me off the set for trying to make the ending vague and open ended <laughs> yeah. I, I may get into trouble there I'm sure yeah. you're in the yeah. graphic novel yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. and so I was going to say, if I recall correctly, and correct me if I, you know, that when you talk about the center, you were mentored somewhat by Jonathan Demme. Yes, yeah. Yeah, he he came uh, onto the project after we had done a rough cut, and I had a relationship with him th- uh, through a prior illustration uh, job. And he really liked the movie, he said, I really love this, but he said, I have ideas because your movie is 
is too long and we need to get in there and we need to cut it down to its most important elements and we worked together on that and I I took a lot of that into this we we all talked about the things Jonathan shared with me it's it's fun because he's such a brilliant such a brilliant filmmaker and I I love that I could share that with like my collaborators what he said to me somehow came into this film too passing this knowledge yeah yeah and so you're you're still in Minnesota still in Minnesota yeah yeah and I mean it's interesting that we're living in an age where that can be a very valid you know you don't have to be in Hollywood yes yeah you know but I could see that but why not go out to LA uh I don't you know I guess I don't have a good answer for that one right now (laughs) uh I, there's times when I want to do that for sure, uh, but I don't know that we could have made this movie in L.A. I don't know. Maybe I because the try. character of Nina is trying to be an actress in L.A. Yeah. and then ends up ends up back in her hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it feels maybe there's a little bit of truth in fiction there. Where uh, when I first talked about the story, uh, someone was like, "Well, that's like you. Like you kind of end up back home dealing with." Your, your home and, and all of that even though you, you try to venture out you kind of end up back home a lot and I, I guess that's something in me but uh, who knows in five years maybe I'll have a different story for you <laughs> but it's the you know, and, yeah and, and, and is Sean there is something inexplicable on the edge of your hometown uh, uh, I don't yeah. know about Sean maybe Sean knows about it <laughs> he's like the guy you go home and he's already there yeah um, but also yeah. another thing great about Minnesota though is like the relationship I have with Greg and the relationship I have with Sean we're we're genuinely friends outside of ever making a movie and and I'm also not choosing them because they're friends uh, and that's something that we, we do have a community even though Sean no longer lives in Minnesota but we met there uh, but Greg's in Minnesota, Buck's in Minnesota so there's a good group of people there, a really talented group You found your collective, I like that Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's interesting so I do have to ask. You talk about the paranormal, and you have this beautiful brochure. I still haven't had a chance to yeah. read it about you know Bigfoot. So, are you a believer? That's I I, I thought that question was going to come up, so I I prepared an answer. So maybe okay, less go. genuine than it. And I swear this honest. is not planned. Yeah, uh, I would say I I think that there's a lot that we don't know about the world that. Uh, it's very possible. I, since I was a little kid, I always there's a line in the movie about the the uh, Nina goes to the library every day early because she wants to read books about Bigfoot before she gets to school. I that think really I remember that book. Yeah, I yes, it's it's a true book that I yeah. look for all the time and I can't find it anywhere. But I I did that. That was me. I Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot and Men in Black and all of those stories when I was a kid were really intriguing and they just. And they captivated me. And I don't know what I really think, if they're real or not, but I love the, I love the thinking about those things because they expand my world. They make me think, is there stuff I don't know? Is there, maybe I'm not so smart and maybe there is a, uh, an, a giant ape living in uh, the Pacific Northwest. It seems possible, and I've, I have read it all. So yeah. I do, I would say I think it's possible. And, uh, Jane Goodall thinks it's possible too. They uh, sure. the scientist. So I'm not in terrible company. No. Yeah. No. Okay. 
Yeah. How about you? What's your belief in the paranormal? Oh, wow. Well, Charlie, I, at, for, you know, for a while I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a fun story or whatever, fun to believe. But Charlie sat me down one day. He said, I, I will give you what I think is, like, the most convincing information. And he did. And so I'm also convinced that it's possible. Um, so, you know, Charlie has called uh, down to the things that I think are the most the most convincing and so yeah I'm 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 I think it's possible and he's got a presentation you're just turtling in the back yeah. <laughs> well because I'm entertaining the idea that Bigfoot might actually be Sean actually actually last year's um, political campaign season or two years ago I photographed a political campaign for a Minnesota uh, candidate who who ran on the idea that his opponent was never you could never find his opponent to have a conversation with him and he suggested the character being Bigfoot himself sure. on screen reading a newspaper saying yeah. I don't know why it's so hard to find this guy <laughs> right so, so it was kind of an interesting thing yeah, right after great. that yeah. right after we photographed Charlie's movie it comes around I get that kind of a sign yeah. I thought yeah. it was interesting because early on for truth wait truth stalkers that's the yeah. Yeah. show in, in within um that when they're looking again in the first few minutes and they see that footage of like it has become this very iconic image yeah and was that did you that was licensed that oh, so oh and that's not the, that's not the famous Patterson Gimlin footage which okay. for people who know about Bigfoot it's got a name that, that is the name and it, it does no, yeah, no I, I know yeah, that it's a very I, specific it's like piece of footage film, right? yeah, yeah. If you, and if you haven't seen that footage go and find it it's fascinating yeah. you find it on on yeah. YouTube and yeah. it, it's hard to not be convinced that that thing well, existed could be a guy in an ape suit yeah just like yeah. our character says you know yeah. it could be someone in an ape suit out in the woods yeah but if you were Bigfoot would you want to be found by us yeah no, probably not yeah <laughs> probably know? not yeah uh, yeah no so we we did our best kind of recreation of that with a bl- very blurry figure yeah. walking in the woods but it was not the actual footage yeah I think that might be too valuable to, to license. I don't know what yeah. the cost would be on that. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Very, right. very, uh, yeah. Well, you know, the film is about more than just that. It's not, yes. it's not cryptids. It's, uh, I, I, you, there's so much weird stuff going on in there. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I say that in the highest possible, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. support. It's like, if you like weird, yeah, go here. Yeah. Uh, so um, what will be next? For Nina of the Woods, uh, well, we that you know, can talk about. That I can talk. About. We have another uh, few festivals that we know we know one we can't announce yet coming up in a in a few months, and uh, we're going to keep entering festivals. And I think I'm at the place. I don't know where everyone else is at. It. Just want to let let people watch it, and yeah. for all of us who worked hard and and share it with people and have the experience of of, uh, of being in an audience with people watching it. That's a lot of fun for. Uh, so it feels like a celebration of hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well-deserved celebration. Yeah. Thank you guys for taking the time to sit down Thank with me. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, yeah. awesome. Now we're in the back patio of the Continental at CineQuest, and we're talking with the uh, creative team behind Fox Hunt 5. There, I Drive. <laughs> I wanted, you wanted to say Fox Force, Fox Force, Fox Force, Fox Force Five. Five from from Pulp Fiction, Fox Hunt Drive. Ketchup, ketchup. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but this is better than that project would have been, right? So, of course. Uh, tell me who you are. Uh, my name is Drew Walkup. I'm the director of Fox Hunt Drive. Okay. <laughs> I'm Lizzie Zarepko, and I play Allison, the lead actress. And I'm Michael Olafson. I play the passenger. 
Okay, so this is all I know about this film right now. So I've had the screener, I haven't had a chance to watch it. But apparently you two are like living out my Lyft Uber nightmare. <laughs> uh, so, and that's all I know. That's what Sal Pizarro told me. So uh, let's first go here. Like, sure. What inspired this? What inspired it? Well, um, Adam Armstrong and Marcus DeVivo wrote the screenplay. And Adam was actually a, uh, an Uber driver for a while. And uh, I think some of his experiences in the car made it into the movie, uh, you know, inspired by experiences. Um, generally, we really had a very short time to write the script. And I went to Adam and Marcus and I said, hey, guys, um, can you give me something in six weeks? It took them three months, but they came up with the film, and the first draft of it was absolutely fantastic. Now, you said you had a limited amount of time. So what drove production? Because I've had people say that. Like, oh, last night there was a film here where they said, if we don't make it now, we'll never make it. So what what was that self-imposed deadline or or the thing that said, you know, I've got to make this movie now? You know, we had a, uh, a, a budget for original content at the company I was working at, and I pitched the idea of doing a feature film, and they approved it, and so it was really like, okay, everyone's on board right now, so it just meant that we needed to move as quickly as we could to get it done. And you had no script. Right? And we had, and at the time when they approved it, we had no script, uh, we had no cast, we had no nothing. It was, okay... Here we go. I'm turning to the two people that I know can turn me around a fantastic script, hopefully in a short amount of time. And they, they worked wonders. Okay. And now, and so you came after that. So tell, tell me what, aside from the audition, drew you to these roles? Well, when I was reading the script for the first time, I personally was following it. I was right there with it as if I was watching it, you know, and all the twists in the script we won't give away any spoilers but I didn't see them coming I didn't know what was next so I was turning each page and I was still very interested and invested so that's partially what drew me to the script Um, but also I just love the character of Allison and I think that she was a wonderful challenge to try to take on Uh, there's a lot going on with her that she doesn't show right away a lot going on that doesn't meet the eye um, and a lot of feelings, emotions, um, resentment that she's starting out um, the film with. And she's done everything right in her life. She went to school. She got the best grades. Um, she had a fancy job. And she's kind of down on her luck at this moment and um, can't find another job. So she's starting out with this these feelings and she's having to drive a rideshare service to make ends meet Uh, so I just thought that that was a great complicated starting point for her as a character and Drew and I had a really great time delving into each scene and trying to figure out exactly what was going on with her in each moment of the script so that's what I loved about it and if you're in LA everybody's got a side hustle right because you have to yep so you were just mentioning that so (laughs) talking about your attraction as the mysterious stranger I don't know what else to describe (laughs) the character as without luring you into a spoiler the the, the shady uh, passenger who gets in who who we think may be may be dangerous Um, aside from having a, a long-standing uh, personal and professional relationship with uh, our writers and our director, um, there's a great deal of moral ambiguity between both of these characters, I think. 
uh, what we think we see initially and, and, and what we may or may not learn about them later on. Um, and a great sense of, I think, desperation between both of, of the lead characters um, who are simply just trying to get from point A to point B and, like, kind of keep their sanity um, without, you know, being burnt out by the daily grind. So we see we see Allison doing everything she can to kind of make ends meet, but it still doesn't feel like it's enough. We meet our passenger, who um, we don't know anything about right away, but we know that he is desperate as well. And I think that sense of desperation speaks to a lot of themes going through the country right now. And so because that just kind of set it sat on top of an otherwise just very exciting thriller it was it was just a pure genre piece you know like a, a great genre piece and on top of that there were it was pushing a lot of themes that I think are pretty prevalent uh, throughout the country right now so that was very attractive to me well that, that brings up an interesting question so when you're developing a film I don't know how long ago this was actually shot there's more than one movie at Cinequest right now where I feel like when they made it, it was just an interesting exercise in what if, uh, I'm thinking of, it's called Before the Fire, about a pandemic. And, you know, it's like, oh, it was an interesting sci-fi thriller until it became, this is <laughs> real, yeah. And the has just been shut down because of an assumption of a pandemic. So when you talk about the economy, and, and you know, there's a social commentary to that. Was that conscious in your mind when you were developing it? You know, we, uh, Michael, Adam, Marcus, and I have this text message thread that we go back and forth on a lot, and we talk about, you know, the issues going on today, we talk about new movie ideas, we talk about movies that we've seen, Um, and so I think that for all of us, it was really important to not just uh, write an engaging, thrilling story, it was important to have some sort of commentary on what we're all going through, what we're all experiencing in our life today. And I think that, um, you know, the main part of it is we wanted to make a great, entertaining commercial film. But at the same time, we all feel like our favorite films are the films that have a lot of heart in them. Um, So it was less about necessarily capturing the zeitgeist and more about just making sure that issues that we felt were personal to us that we were wanting to talk about were a part of the film. Okay. I mean, also, the entire rideshare experience is so common at this point. You know, any of us, we all get in an Uber or a Lyft and trust the person who's driving us or the person who's getting in our car. We do that all the time without even thinking. So I think it's a very interesting point where we are, where we're having to put trust into all of these other strangers who come into our lives. And that's another reason that I was pulled towards it, because it poses the question of what if and and what could go wrong what could go horribly wrong in a situation like that have any of you ever driven for one of these services not me just just adam who was who wrote oh, okay. yeah. 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 So the screenwriter all right i do deliver i do a delivery job in los angeles though so i don't have anybody getting into my car but every door that i go to you have those who are easy to talk to and you have those that you just have to kind of save face and put the charm on and do your best and finish the transaction and keep it moving. I think it's driving so a lot know. of thrillers and horror films yeah. <laughs> right now. You know, and horror podcasts. I was just listening to one that had a similar theme. I don't know if story-wise it's the same. But anyway, so what's next for the film? Uh, you had a premiere last night as, as we're at the time of this recording in Rabbit City. 
Uh, and then said Cinequest is being rescheduled for the end of August. What can you talk about as to where this film goes? You know, we are obviously uh, um, sending our film to other festivals. We want to uh, get the, the most audience uh, seeing this thing as possible. Um, that is really, you know, my top goal for the film at this point is just to try and get as many people to see it. Uh, we are working, obviously, to try and get the film distributed as well. Um, and we had that because of Cinequest. Thankfully, we've had a lot of opportunities come our way, um, a lot of interest in um, from both dis- uh, distributors um, to sales agents to producers reps trying to help us get this thing uh, both into festivals and um, distributed on on platforms. So, um, you know. Getting people to see it, getting it distributed. That's really what's next uh, as far as I go on, on this particular project. Okay. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time. Thank and you. I wish you the best of luck with this film. And like I said, at this point, I've heard it's fantastic. Yes. It's uh, next on my list to watch. So yeah, we can't wait for you to see it. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming back to us. Uh, we will be a little more frequent than every four or five months. One of the issues had been that there were some updates done to uh, our WordPress site that uh, kind of, uh, we were making the site more secure and it it broke some coding uh, in, in the audio. And so uh, that has been fixed. And uh, so, you know, glad that is and we can, we can get back to it. It was just uh, an unfortunate thing where then at the same time, I did not have the ability to spend energy on the phone with the people that I would need to be on the phone with to solve the problem. You know, it was only in little bits and pieces. So it's all on me, baby. Anyway, uh, so but thank if you. you. If, if you do run into anything, let us know. Come yeah. and talk to us on Facebook or drop us a line because we want to fix it. And it's not it's not you, it's us. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, right now I'll say with the security that, um, that the legacy site has become, uh, you can't go to that. But I've been slowly uh, down. Still, I'm still able to access and download articles. I've been slowly reposting things that were popular there. So nothing will be lost. Ultimately, it's just going to take me a while to solve that. So again, thank you. Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of Fanboy Planet, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.